0: I literally told them that I wouldn't accept a single moment of a punishment because I did nothing wrong. Um, I would go. I I mean, it was it wasn't funny at the time, but I said to them, you know, um, that I would, you know, lose my apartment, I would lose my car, I would go bankrupt and end up in a homeless shelter before I accepted, you know, my job back with no back pay because I did nothing wrong.
1: Hello, my name is Teddy Ostro. Welcome to The Upsurge, a podcast about UPS, the Teamsters, and the future of the American labor movement. You were listening to the first exclusive bonus episode of The Upsurge, exclusive to our Patreon supporters, as well as Teamsters who may have gotten the RSS link from me or from others. If you indeed did get a hold of that free link, it's for Teamsters only, so share away among your union siblings. But there's really no way for me to police who you send it to, so. I'm kind of putting my trust in you guys, hoping that you would extend that solidarity that Teamsters are so famous for to the Upsurge podcast, where we're trying to draw attention to the important work that you guys are doing. If you appreciate the show and are not a patron already, please head over to patreon.com slash upsurgepod. You can find the link in the description. And thank you so much. If you are already a patron, you are the reason why the show still exists. Now, this is somewhat of a special episode to me because I spoke with Dan Arlen in an extended interview, a 23-year UPSer from local 404 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now, Dan was not exactly my first source as a journalist looking at UPS, but he was probably the first person who I really sat down and spoke to at length. And I'm forever grateful to him for teaching me not just about UPS, uh, but the Teamsters, but really about what it means to fight for yourself, for your union, and for your coworkers. I actually spoke to him for an article I wrote for The Nation magazine about retaliation against union activists at UPS. Last summer, just as the contract campaign began at UPS, it appeared like the corporation was beginning to ramp up harassment and retaliation against UPSers that are more willing to speak up for themselves, for their coworkers, those who are more involved in the union, basically the people who would help put pressure on the company as negotiations ramp up, as the strike deadline approaches, and that included a number of pretty ridiculous firings. Dan Arlen was one of those workers who appeared to be retaliated against in a rather extreme way. While his story may be a bit unusual in terms of just how far UPS went to keep him out of the workforce, I was told uh, by UPSers that retaliation, uh, harassment at UPS, is actually just a way of life. It's been happening for decades, and Dan Arlen's story is remarkable, not just because of how he was treated, but also how he fought back for nearly a year and how he's still fighting to be made whole. I'll leave it there for now, but I just wanted to mention that Dan actually started his own podcast recently called The Bi-Weekly Grievance Show. It's on YouTube. I'll put a link in the description. I've listened to it. I think it's very insightful. He's a great speaker, as you'll hear in this interview. Go subscribe to his channel. He's doing excellent work for his union siblings. You don't need to be a UPSer or a Teamster to find value in the Bi-Weekly Grievance Show. Everyone can learn from Dan Arlen. Dan Arlen, thanks for joining me on the upsurge.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time out.
1: So uh, why don't you just start by telling listeners about yourself, how long you've been at UPS, what you've done there, and perhaps also how you started getting more involved with the union?
0: So I work at UPS uh, up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been a a Teamster UPSer for uh, 23 years now. Um, I started in September of 2000. um, And I spent most of that time in package um, and about four years ago I moved up to drive in feeders for which is tractor trailers for UPS um, and my story uh, the current situation started in March of uh, last year
1: yeah you have somewhat of a unique case of harassment and retaliation but I'd, I'd say milder forms from what I've heard and potentially worse forms too I'm sure uh, happen at UPS all the time for workers and your story is is a pretty long one in terms of uh the number of months you've been fighting this um, and it's remarkable for the lengths I would say that you went to be made whole and I'm not sure everyone would have done that so to start us off can you big just start uh begin that story for us you know what what happened um, you went to work one day and what what happened
0: so um I'm a union activist I uh, hold the management accountable um, I have a quite a history with management of uh, bringing things to light and holding them accountable for stuff. And I took a temporary cut from feeders to go down into package for a six-week period um, to look into some stuff where management was putting our members at risk. And uh, I wanted to go down and find out for myself what was going on so I wouldn't have to put members in harm's way by uh, sharing their story with management. And so on March 22nd, I went to work and packaged for the first time in over two years. And it was a rough day. You know, I hadn't delivered packages in a couple of years. So I'm not going to say my service level was, you know, outstanding or anything, but there was no neglect on my part. Certainly, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. Then on March 23rd, I went to work and I was called in the office and I assumed it was like a performance review for the day. Um, that I worked, but instead it was, uh, I was being brought in the office to be terminated. And first of all, the supervisor refused to tell me what I did wrong. Um, he accused me of falsifying records, dishonesty, not working in the best interest of the company, but refused to share any of the details to allow me to defend myself. He said that's what local level hearings are for, and he threw me out of the building.
1: And that's. The way this uh, supervisor did that, right, in in your union contract, is that uh, against the the rules or uh, generally in America, you can just kind of be fired. Um, But in your union contract, was this breaking a clause? What, What was going on there?
0: So in general, the unions follow what they call the seven rules of just cause termination. And one of those rules actually says that they're supposed to complete their investigation uh, before rendering discipline. And also that they are supposed to tell you and your steward um, what the charges are against you and allow you to defend yourself before they render discipline. And in this case, they totally ignored two of the rules. Uh, They refused to tell my steward that was in the office with me what I did wrong. And they refused to give me the opportunity to defend myself before I was walked off property. Um, it wasn't until eight days later, um, on March thirty first, at the local level hearing, uh, was the first time they actually told me what the charges were against me and what I supposedly had done. So, how can you
1: start to explain what what happened next? And maybe, you know, we have a lot of listeners who probably haven't been through an arbitration process at a union. So, to maybe elaborate on some of that as well, what 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 happens uh, when a, a UPSer gets fired? Um, what happens next? And and obviously, particular to your situation, what went on?
0: So, so unfortunately, um, and I, I, this is a learning process for me as well. You know, this is the first time I had been through panel. Um, but I've learned that across the country, there isn't a standardized uh, panel system. Um, there's many ways of doing it in our particular region. Um, the first thing is the day that I was fired. They, you know, we met with the supervisor who terminated me with my steward and myself. Um, then we filed a unjust termination grievance, um, and we had what they call the local level hearing, which took place eight days later on March thirty first. And that usually consists of your business agent, um, your steward, yourself, the supervisor, the district manager, and the labor manager. And at this meeting was the first time they actually told me what I did wrong. And when they accused me of the stuff. It was stuff that I was easily able to explain to the company what I did, and, um, for example, one of them was they said I falsified records at a pickup that in my computer I had marked that I picked up forty packages, but the the end of day report at the customer pickup only said thirty seven. So they said I falsified records. Now, first of all, that's very minor and and to me insignificant. But the thing was, if they had asked me ahead of time, I would have told them that there was three prepaid packages that were not included in that thirty seven. But on the day that I worked, I not only scanned the end of day, but I also scanned those three extra packages. So their own reports would have shown that there was 40 packages. And at that local level hearing on the 31st, when I explained that to them, I asked for the report that would show the tracking numbers and clear me of that. And the supervisor that fired me turned and said, well, give us a copy of your cell phone records for the day. And I said, no. I said, first of all, I'm not being accused of any wrongdoing with my cell phone. And second of all, it's my personal cell phone. So no, no chance I'm ever going to do that. And he turned around and said, well, these reports that you're asking for are UPS property, so I'm not giving them to you either. And I said to him, well, that's absurd. It's the basis of your case. You have to turn them over. Well, he stuck by that and he never turned them over. Um, And it took me filing NLRB charges for unfair labor practices against the company um, and the NLRB sent a letter to the company um, basically telling them they need to turn it over. And finally in August, over four months after I was terminated, um, they finally turned over one of the two reports I was seeking and it cleared me of two of the three things they were accusing me of. It said exactly what I said it was going to say. It showed 37 packages plus three extra makes 40. Um, And then there was another thing where they accused me of duplicating a stop without marking it as a duplicate stop, and that report also cleared me of that as well. So the second report that we had requested was the one that would show my GPS location because they were accusing me of adding miles and stealing time. And that report would show where they were saying I did that so that I could explain what that was.
1: and. Can you explain stealing time just to for listeners who sure. don't know what that means?
0: So what the company was accusing me of was that in their program, um, the delivery, it, it expects you to go from point A to point B in a certain manner and most effective way. And they were basically accusing me of going out of the way to add miles to the route. Um, and also stealing time would be um, on the clock and not performing any work. So for example, if you took a two hour lunch and you're only getting credit for an hour lunch, you're basically stealing an hour because you're not doing any work and you're on the clock. So that's what stealing time is. Um, And so they were accusing me of adding miles and stealing time for about a total of 25 minutes. But that report that I was requesting would have shown that information and allowed me a chance to defend myself. And when the NLRB sent that letter to them, they finally said um, that that report was no longer available, um, that it was only in their system for 30 days, but yet we have documentation that we requested approximately five times prior to the 30 day mark. So essentially they destroyed evidence when they didn't hand over that report in the first 30 days, they allowed it to expire in their system. And when my case finally went to panel in November, um, they simply just didn't um, submit, any evidence on that. Um, and that was brought up a panel. Like, um, you say stealing time, but did you introduce any evidence that shows stealing time? And they said, no. And the panel said, are we supposed to just take your word for that? And they said, yes. So, so-
1: just to tease, tease this out for a second. So you, you get back to package car driving after two years, um, driving feeders you haven't done it in two years. So you're, you know, uh, maybe you could use some help, uh, I don't know, man, that seems like something that would make sense to me, and you get followed instead without your knowledge by UPS, which is a, which is a practice they, they often do. Um, they didn't follow you to necessarily watch you and help you and um, you know get back to your bearings in, in package car driving, but yeah, you learned some interesting things about what was going on when they followed you, right, um, trying to build a case against you, it seems.
0: Yeah, I mean, I de- so when when I initially told them I was taking this, this route, um, in fairness, they did ask me if I thought I was going to need any training. Um, and I said to them that I didn't think so because, you know, I had delivered packages for 19 years, so I knew how to do that. Um, I knew how to drive the truck. Um, but what I was unaware of when I answered that question was the fact that it was an entirely new computer system um, on the package side. Um, which was totally different. Um, it updates periodically to what they consider a better optimizing the route. Um, and so I struggled with it. I, I really had a hard time that day and it was not intentional, but, it, you know, I did not do, if you know, looking at the numbers, if you will, um, I did not do a great job, but it was not an intentional act. And they knew I was in trouble. And as you pointed out, uh, rather than coming out and throwing a supervisor on car with me or whatever to help me get caught up, um, their response was to immediately come out and follow me and try to catch me doing something wrong. And ultimately they didn't catch me doing anything wrong because I was doing the job. I may, may not have been doing the best job, but I was not intentionally doing anything wrong.
1: And so you get, you get fired for the claims that they don't at first explain. Um, and, they don't present all the reports immediately. They don't present all the reports at all. You have to appeal to the federal government to get them. Um, over this period of time, uh, you know, you are out of work, um, and multiple things happen. Right, you're trying to get unemployment insurance. You run into some issues with that. You eventually lose your health care. Um, can you talk a bit
0: about uh, the time when you were terminated? Sure. Um, so initially, um, when I was terminated, I filed for unemployment um and I didn't really know how that worked um but there was a significant delay in getting my unemployment and uh the first couple of months, I didn't get anything from anybody and I finally learned from unemployment that the reason why my unemployment was taking so long was because the company was still reporting me as employed, so making me ineligible for unemployment um I looked into that matter and what had happened was, so I, I told unemployment, well, I, clearly I was terminated. I have a letter of termination right here that I can give to you. And I emailed it to them and they sent a response back to UPS saying, you know, what do you say about this? And UPS didn't bother to respond. So at that point I was finally given my unemployment, but it took about three months total before I got my first unemployment check and they backpaid me for the time. Um, but UPS, because I was appealing my termination and they didn't want to do it any more work than they had to uh rather than putting me in the system as termination and having to put me back in they just put me in the system as suspended rather than terminated um which then when atlanta got the you know unemployment request the unemployment was said that you know I was still an employee but on suspension um so eventually it got squared away Um, I don't think it was uh, intentional by the company, but it was more laziness that they didn't want to take me out of the system and put me back in the system when I was rehired. Um, But yeah, so. And this is different throughout the country, too, but our insurance is paid six months in advance. So as far as my health insurance, um, it lasted till the end of August. Come September 1st, my health insurance for my son and I were both um, terminated um, because I was out of work that long. And um, luckily, my son was able to get picked up by my by his mother's insurance, but I was left without insurance um, for the rest of the year. Um, when we went to panel in November, um, the company was ordered to back pay me um, less one month plus all my benefits and health insurance and stuff. So finally, it was reinstated, but there was a period of time where if anything happened, I wouldn't have had insurance. So. Um, that was uh, a rough time. It was stressful. Uh, money got really tight. Um, you know, even even though I was getting a decent unemployment check, um, the fact of the matter was is that the my unemployment rate was still less than a third of what I normally take home. So uh, my bills didn't get any smaller, but my uh, my income did. So it, it it slowly but surely ate away at my. Um, savings to the point where I didn't have anything left um, it got to the point where I ended up having late payments uh my credit score took a pretty good hit um I was at the verge of uh losing my place losing my car um, it got really bad in the end and just timing wise just happened to work out to where um, I was able to recover to a degree when this uh started to move forward in November
1: yeah let's let's pick up on the story what happened uh following november what what went on
0: so we went to panel in november um november 2nd and um at panel it was a great day for me um we had all the information to prove that uh, i did not falsify records um that uh, wasn't dishonest um and like i said I, we didn't have any evidence to to rebut the stealing time or adding miles, but the company also didn't submit any evidence on it, mostly because that report that they, you know, didn't turn over and and essentially destroyed evidence would have also been their evidence had I done anything wrong. So um, the day was pretty terrible. um, As far as they, you know, they just tried to throw mud at the wall. They brought in a bunch of supervisors that I used to work for. They were trying to paint a picture, but the panel saw through it. Um, and threw a lot of that stuff out, um, and so in our panel system, when you go to panel, um, the jury, if you will, consists of three members of management, three members of union and a sitting neutral federal arbitrator. And in cases like this, um, you're almost always going to deadlock a panel, which means that the three members of management, three members of union are going to deadlock three to three, um, for and against me. Um, Because in a case like this, management's never going to side with me and union's certainly never going to go against me. So we knew going into it, it was going to go to the arbitrator. Um, When the case was over, um, the arbitrator has uh, 10 days, so the equivalent of two weeks to give a written judgment. This arbitrator came out uh, eight days later on following Thursday, November 10th, um, came out and totally vindicated me um, said he didn't believe that I falsified records. He didn't believe that I was dishonest. He, um, the one and only thing he sort of said negative towards me was on the day in question, the day I was terminated March 23rd, um, when I was being walked off property, I turned to the supervisor who was terminating me. And I said to him that he'd be lucky to have a job when this is over. And the company tried to twist that into an anti-harassment slash workplace violence charge, which was thrown out as well. Um, But the arbitrator, we argued a panel that that sentence was uh, not relevant as in the fact that it happened after my termination. So technically I wasn't an employee when I said it. The arbitrator ruled against me on that and said that he thought the sentence was relevant because it happened in succession of my termination um, but furthermore went on to say that, uh, he didn't find anything I said to be threatening in nature to the supervisor or anyone else. And furthermore went on to say that he basically wouldn't blame me for saying it and being upset, a 22 year plus guy being walked off property for not doing anything wrong. Um, so he said I was borderline insubordinate when I said that, but, you know, basically excused it. Um, and in his ruling, the, the you know, I respect the arbitrator's ruling, but I was a little puzzled, and a lot of people are. When you read the ruling, he totally vindicates me on everything, but um, kind of threw the company a bone and, and, and gave me a one-month suspension. So he reduced me from an eight-month termination down to a one-month suspension. But then in the ruling, he never says what that suspension's for. Um, my understanding after talking to people that have been at panel several times is sometimes the arbitrator throws a bone to both sides. Um, So rather than having to pay me eight months of back pay, they only had to pay me seven months of back pay. Um, But again, everyone that reads it is very confused because it doesn't really say what that one month suspension was for. Um, Just that they were ordered to make me whole from the end of the suspension until I was reinstated. So again, that ruling came down November 10th. Um, On the 11th, I received a phone call from my union telling me that the company wanted to have a meeting on November 14th to discuss my reinstatement. So Monday, the 14th, we they set up a meeting at a hotel in downtown Springfield at a conference room and we walked in. And the one and only thing they discussed was they were re-terminating me for unprofessional conduct, um, which stemmed back from the week of action, the first week of August.
1: So you get. Your job back. <laughs> it's not exact, you know. You, the company gets a bone too. You get seven months of back pay, um, which is pretty pretty remarkable. Which, and
0: which I still have not been made whole on, by the
1: way. Which you haven't been made whole on. They bring you back in, and as I understand, it was like kind of a weird setting. But they bring you back in, and they say, uh, "We're firing you again." And this is for events that happened while you were terminated. Correct? Yes. So, Can you explain what, yeah. so what happened?
0: One of the details that I haven't shared a lot of, but um I'm willing to share is the company this whole time has been trying to spin this thing as I'm harassing supervision. Um, and that's not the case. As a steward and as an activist, you know, I hold company accountable, and they may call that harassment, but it's not. That's my job. Um and so they, they tried to spin the fact that I went down to package, um, for that day delivering packages was to harass the supervisor. And then they tied in that sentence and tried to turn out, even though I have no power to fire that supervisor, they tried to turn that into harassment. Well, then, um, I have no contact with the supervisor from that point, the day I was fired all the way up until the first week of August. And as everybody knows, um, August 1st, for that first full week of August, was the week of action for the Teamsters nationally to kick off our one year till our UPS contract expired. Um, My local was busy with um, panel that week um, and didn't have anything scheduled. So me and my friend Lillian Zavatsky held our own week of action. Um, We went to all three of the UPS facilities in our local's area uh, and held rallies about the topics of the contract. And on August 2nd, when I went to the UPS facility in Springfield, being that I was terminated, I didn't hold any of my UPS rallies on UPS property. I held them all all across the street on public property to avoid any conflict of management and not have an issue with me not being employed there. So um, during that first day in Springfield on August 2nd, um, which we had done the other two buildings on the first, the supervisor who terminated me came out and started videotaping my action. And anybody that's aware of the NLRA, the National Labor Relations Act, um, one of the rights is that the company, it's illegal for the company to videotape or spy on peaceful union activities. So in response to him videotaping my rally, um, I picked up a sign that I had made for the members that said, I'm still here. And the sign was originally created by Millie, me and Lillian to state that Even though I was on termination, I was still there for my brothers and sisters through this week of action. And when he started videotaping, I held up the sign and said, yeah, Frank, I'm still here. And I, um, you know, of all the things I could have said, I thought that was relatively innocent. And then a couple of days later, um, a similar incident happened. Uh, They we're having a PCM and I had my bullhorn out and I was uh, talking about about the Chavez case uh, out in California, the brother who died in the back of its package car the day after his 24th birthday. And it was really hot that day. So I was, you know, we were really hammering that and that supervisor came out and started videotaping me again. So again, I picked up that sign and said, yep, I'm still here. And uh, then on the Friday, the 5th um, hindsight as I've stated to everybody, um, I put myself in a bad situation, but it was, it should have been innocent. Um, the, it was hot. I was out there for a couple of hours. The, my, I'd ran out of water that I brought to drink. I needed to use the restroom. Um, there was a chance at that point that I was going back to work anyways. So I had sent a text to a supervisor, um, asking if I could quietly come in and use the bathroom and fill my water bottle. And he didn't respond to that text. And, then I um, saw him in the parking lot, which was not a work area. It was the parking lot for the public for the customer counter. So it was a public area, but on property. And I just barely approached the property line. And then I realized that the supervisor who had terminated me was there also. So I said, you know, he goes, I can't let you use the bathroom, but um, hold on a minute. And he went in, the, the supervisor fired me, went into the building. Came out with two bottles of water and a Gatorade for me, handed it. Walked up to me, handed them to me, and asked me to leave the property. And I said, "No problem." I turned and I left. Well, six weeks go by, and nothing's made of anything. Don't hear a word. Um, I schedule a rally to to bring awareness to the fact that I was coming up on six months out of work um, over these bogus charges, and the fact that we had proof at that point that. Two of the three charges weren't true and the other one, they they destroyed evidence and they were still pushing forward with everything. So I, I scheduled this rally and then four days before that rally, all of a sudden, two uh, local police department cruisers show up in front of my place, uh, putting my son in tears because he thought I was in trouble. And they knock at my door and they serve me with a uh, harassment prevention order for the supervisor who um had terminated me. And his affidavit was riddled with all my federally protected rights. Um, everything he was claiming that I did to harass him, like he said, I called the ethics hotline on him. Well, as a steward, that's my job. If I think you're violating something at the company, it's my job to call the ethics hotline. Um, he mentioned that I filed NRB charges against him. Well, again, that's my right also. So, like, he listed all this stuff. And we go in front of the judge and, and, she threw out most of it saying that, you know, this is my right, this is my right. But um, even though I explained to the judge that the anything, everything he listed was my rights, she took that fact that I held up a sign and said, I'm still here as harassment. And she, um, in order to get a harassment prevention order extended in the state of Massachusetts, there has to be three individual um, things that happened. In order for a judge to ex- uh, extend it so she kind of both times i held up the sign and said i'm still here as uh harassment on the supervisor and even though i explained the sign to her she said well your motive can change and she took that as harass uh, targeted attack on the supervisor which i obviously disagreed with um then the whole bathroom incident um he told the judge that he was putting something in the back of his car and when he came out of his car that I was in his face and I stared the heck out of him and that he was in fear for his life and that he ran into the building. And the judge asked him, and this is all in the court transcripts, um, and, and the judge said, well, how close did he get to you, a foot, two feet? And he says, a foot would be a good description, your honor. So he, he paints this picture that a guy was in his face and scared the crap out of him. And the judge bought his story and said that she found him to be credible. And I even asked at the the hearing, you know, if he was so afraid of himself, of me, then why did he come back out and give me balls of water and a Gatorade when he was in the security of the building? And um, she said that that wasn't relevant. Um, but panel on February 8th, the second panel, Uh, which we'll get into. Um, The company actually submitted a video um, from the camera mounted on the UPS facility of that day and it clearly shows that I never went within 20 feet of him or his car. Um, And that the only time we were ever in each other's personal spaces was when he approached me with bottles of water and Gatorade and I turned and I walked off property as he asked me to. So it, it, it completely shows that what he said in court wasn't true and um, i'm in the process of trying to get that order removed Um, it was already under appeal but now with this new evidence showing that he lied in court um i'm trying to get it removed and possibly have him charged with lying under oath in court
1: just to back up for one second i want to emphasize i don't know if you mentioned this but this is also like the customer parking area um, of the ups center right so this is not even like you're on Prop like, you know, company property meant for only employees and supervisors? No, I,
0: I clearly did not enter the work environment at all. Um, Yes, technically it's UPS property, but as you said, and, and I said in my statement, was that this was the customer parking area for the customer counter, so it was open to the general public, and you can clearly see on the video that I had no intentions of um, harassing the supervisor um, or... You know, enter the work environment or anything like that. I was uh, just asking to use the bathroom, which hindsight was dumb on my part, but it certainly wasn't malicious. So
1: you go to arbitration um, last year. You get a ruling mostly in your favor. You were probably flying high. I think I talked to you at the time. You're you were very happy. Uh, you go to arbitrate, or rather, you go speak to the company again. I assume uh, to you thinking you're going to, how are we going to get back to work, right. you know, mm-hmm. dealing with that. Because the, sh-
0: the premise of the meeting on November 14th was the company said they wanted to discuss my reinstatement. And obviously we need to navigate the um, harassment prevention order, which prevents me from working at the Springfield facility. Right. Well, it prevents me from being on the property as long as he's an employee there. Um, so I, we all determined that this meeting was to discuss, you know, how we were going to navigate that. And when we walked in, there was zero discussion about, a matter of fact, my business agent asked them three times if we were going to discuss my reinstatement, and they said no. And they terminated me on the spot for unprofessional conduct, streaming back to these three incidents that I just des- described to you from the week of action. And um, so they, they, harass- they, they fired me for harassment, uh, unprofessional conduct, and, um, I don't remember if there was more terminology. I can't remember it in front of me, but, um, they put me back out. Um, they, they started playing games with my back pay. Um, they still have not made me whole on that November panel. So they're, they're accumulating, um, penalty pay on that because our contract requires that they make me whole within 10 days of the arbitration decision. Um, and that never happened. Um, they've cut me a few small checks, um, uh, but they're still outside of what they owe me. Um, They, we went to panel again, it was supposed to go to panel in December and the company um, said that they weren't allowed to have a local level hearing because I refused to be in the same room or on a zoom meeting with the guy who had a harassment prevention order against me. I said, no way. I mean, the order says no contact third party or otherwise. So I'm not going on a zoom meeting or into a, a uh, room with this guy, and they, they said, Well, we can because the court allowed you to go to panel. I said, Well, panel and local level hearing are two very different things, and it might just be a definition thing, but I wasn't willing to take the chance of putting myself at risk and having them call the cops after the fact. So I ended up going back to the court and getting the judge to change the language to any and all union company scheduled meetings. Um, so finally, in January, we were able to finish the local level hearing for. The- the second termination from November 14th. And we proceeded to panel on February 8th. Um, on February 8th, I uh, <laughs> walk in and it was uh, like a class reunion. Um, literally every supervisor I ever worked for at UPS was brought in to testify against me, um, which was kind of funny because it just, it made their case look even worse because they, they're throwing mud at the wall from things like, for example, Prior to this termination, I hadn't disciplined in almost 17 years. So, you know, they, they were trying to bring up my disciplinary record going back 23 years, uh, and it was just the, the the panel saw right through it. Um, they asked several times, you know, is there any current discipline besides, you know, 2005? Um, and then, they, of course, they were like, well, he was suspended in, in March of 2022. He goes, no, no, that's this case. He goes, you know, prior to this. And so it, it was fairly comical. Um, I tried to not show too much uh, enjoyment because uh, obviously I want the arbitrator to see that I'm taking it seriously. But the more mud that they threw at the wall, the, the worse their case looked. Um, one of the funny stories that I like to share with people is uh, a member of the panel went down the line from the union table and the company table and asked, um, each of us, uh, our name, how many years of service and whatnot. And between the three people at the union table and three people at the company table, um, there was a, about 160 years of service to UPS. And, uh, he went down the line individually and asked us, you know, Hey, in your 34 years, uh, have you ever seen anybody terminated while they're terminated? And, uh, No. And then the guy who terminated me goes, well, one. And he was like, one. He goes, oh, you mean Dan Arlen? And he goes, yeah. He goes, "Okay, so none. And so like in 160 years of service to the company between six people, they'd never seen anybody terminated for something while they did while they were terminated. Um, First of all, it was very benign and, and not anything that anybody should be getting excited about. And second of all, they were my federally protected rights. And lastly, I wasn't an employee and they were asked the panel, well, if you thought what he did in August was so terrible, why didn't you do any discipline back in August when he did it? And they were like, well, he wasn't an employee at the time and the panel just went. <laughs> and so it was, uh, you know, they, they brought up the fact in the contract about timely discipline and how, you know, the, the things that they were trying to terminate me for it happened almost a hundred days prior to me winning my first arbitration's. So they, you know, they made it very clear that it looked like it was retaliation for winning my first case. Um, and the arbitrator's ruling on this that came down on Valentine's Day, which I thought was kind of comical. Uh, it was a nice Valentine's Day for me. Um, the arbitration ruling was very clear that this this arbitrator saw through their baloney. He said that, you know, this thing that they introduced was irrelevant. This thing they introduced was irrelevant. Um, he even made mention of the harassment prevention order and said that, you know, that was a private matter and had no bearing on this case. And he went on to say that he independently looked at the the topics of uh, of that week and he felt that I acted within my rights, um, that I was protected under my federal rights as to what I did that day in those three days that he mentioned. Um, he, he felt that it was very clear that I had no contact with that supervisor prior to the first week of August and had no contact with that supervisor after the first week of August. So he said, you know, if Dan Arlen's intent was to harass the supervisor, there would be more incidents, but all three of the incidents are him having rallies across the street on public property from the facility during a national recognized week of action teamsters. So he found that none of my actions had done anything in order the company to to reinstate me immediately with full back pay again.
1: So you get, you get a pretty romantic Valentine from the arbitrator of the arbitration panel. And, um, yet UPS is still pulling some funny business. Um, you
0: mentioned not being made whole yet. Uh, what else is going on? So the November stuff, um, we had to file again with the original arbitrator, um, about the back pay. And, um, the company was trying to deduct things that we didn't felt that they should be able to, and they were trying to limit my back pay to forty hours instead of including overtime, which is ridiculous at UPS since we all work a ton of overtime. Um, even our vacation pay is average weekly wages. Um, unfortunately, um, the arbitrator came back with a decision on the back pay that uh, I'm not too happy with. Um, And I'm not really going to get into that at the moment because um, I'm seeking other legal avenues to make that correct. Um, It's important because it sets a precedent for um, future um, panel cases. Um, So I'll be moving forward with trying to correct that. I think the arbitrator got it wrong. I respect the arbitrator, but in this particular case, I think he got it wrong. Um, And as far as UPS and their, you know, they, they don't want to admit they were wrong and 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 put this to bed. They um, are using the harassment prevention order to prevent me from going back to my bidded job of feeders, um, tractor trailers at UPS. Um, they, are, they have forced me to another UPS facility uh, with an extra 30-minute commute each way, so an extra hour a day that I got to drive to and from work. Um, plus, they forced me back into delivering packages in that other facility. And that facility, uh, that job is also a lesser paying job than I would be getting if I was driving tractor trailer. So, um, I filed a, another grievance the day I went back for continued harassment and seniority violation because, um, yes, there is an order that says I can't work at that facility or can't go to that facility as long as he's an employee there. But the ultimate thing that, people need to understand is, yes, there's an order against me, but to make me whole is to put me back to my bidded job. And the fact still remains that had on March 23rd, when we met in his office, had he told me what I did wrong and allowed me to explain myself, and he objectively looked at the reports and saw what I was saying was true, I never should have been fired from UPS, and I would be doing that job. So, the fact that he convinced a judge to give him a harassment prevention order doesn't change the fact that if he hadn't, if if it wasn't for his behavior, I would be doing that job and making more money. So, essentially, he's the one that needs to be moved to another facility so that I can go back to my bidded job. And, um, you know, what I will say is that this is far from over. Um, I'm going to pursue any and all legal. opportunities afforded to me to correct the situation uh i'm not just going to let them get away with it because um it sets a bad precedent for the union as well as the fact that uh you know what is right is right you know if i did something wrong i would have taken my lickens but the fact that they literally made stuff up about me to try to get rid of me because of my unionism um is not right and i'm not going to settle for anything less than made whole so i'm Pursuing several opportunities um, and looking into further litigation against the uh, company and the supervisors to make this, um, you know, take a stance so that our not just me, but, you know, our, our members will benefit from these rulings as well.
1: Yeah, you're uh, an incredibly persistent person. You know, oftentimes in these situations, people compromise. And, you know, not that you haven't taken some compromises, but you've you've sought to be made whole or as whole as possible. Um, you know, and for example, you, you actually were, we didn't get into this and we don't have to go far into it, but you were offered your job back a few times, but didn't accept their terms uh, because you essentially would have been uh, made to accept that you did wrong, which uh, you you didn't, um, and mm-hmm. you would have not had you would have not been given um, back pay. You know, and a question I have is: Did you ever want to give up during this time? It's been 11 months. Um, you clearly, um, you clearly didn't uh, give up, and you kept going, and
0: you're still going. Um, I knew. So, whatever I, first, I want to say is that the company is throws their weight around, you know, they're Goliath, you know, and I'm this little old Dan and they are used to getting their way. Um, and this isn't um, anything against any particular members or anything, but a lot of members um, are put out on bogus or trumped up charges. And very quickly the company will come back with um, a time served suspension, which usually ends up being about two to three weeks And then go back to work as long as they waive any back pay and a lot of members either financially can't be out of work longer than that or they just don't want to be bothered fighting the system so they accept these you know um needless suspensions just to get back to work and put the incident behind them um and yes to your point um about six weeks out and one other time after that i don't remember exactly when um, the company did offer me a time served suspension. Um, the first time they offered it was right after I filed my NL- NLRB charges against the company for withholding evidence and unfair labor practices. Um, they offered me my job back, six weeks suspension, no back pay. Um, and I literally told them that I wouldn't accept a single moment of a punishment because I did nothing wrong. Um, I would go – I. I mean, it was – It wasn't funny at the time, but I said to him, you know, um, that I would, you know, lose my apartment, I would lose my car, I would go bankrupt and end up in a homeless shelter before I accepted, you know, my job back with no back pay because I did nothing wrong. You know, it'd be one thing if I did something and they were trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, um, I wouldn't have fought so hard. But the fact that I knew I did nothing wrong and their own reports would show that um, I stood my ground. and, And Um, That almost cost me everything. Um, I I don't say that lightly. I mean, I got to the point where it was affecting my credit score. Um, I had credit cards that were, you know, maxed out and possibly going to be closed on me. Um, There was, I had received an eviction notice from my apartment. Um, It was getting really scary. Um, But what's right is right. And I'd come that far. There was, you know, there was probably days where I was like, you know, I should just end this. But um, I'd come too far. And it was that important to me that I stood my ground because I'm tired of our members being pushed around by this company because there's no recourse for them. The only thing this company understands is writing big checks. So I come that far that I wasn't going to give up. And I stood my ground. And um, I will say that Diane Kilmurry um, and Greg Kerwood, came to my rescue when things were getting really dark uh, unemployment had run out and I wasn't receiving any money. Um, and they put together a GoFundMe page, which helped me get through those days until some of the back pay started coming in. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I was able to recover to a degree, but unfortunately, you know, I've taken a, uh, hit on my credit score. That's not going to recover. Um, not anytime soon. It's not something that they're going to say, Oh, well, you're out of work. Sorry. Um, it's, it's going to be there. Um, But no, I mean, um, these guys took it too far. Um, I'm not going to back down. And, you know, this is far from over because I'm not happy with just being back to work and getting some back pay. I want this to be adjudicated as far as possible because what they did was wrong and and it was illegal at times. And some of the stuff that they pulled, um, they need to be held accountable for because uh, this is the type of stuff, even on a smaller scale, that our members go through on a daily basis with this company. And it's one of the hot topics of our upcoming contract is the way our people are treated by by this company. It's, it's, it's insane. And, you know, I, and, you know, I understand each individual member has to make their own choices as to, you know, how far they're willing to push things. Um, This is kind of an extreme case. Um, But, you know, the more we win these types of cases, the easier it is for us to end things quicker for our members instead of letting it go on because the company knows that, if they continue that we already have precedent against them and they're not going to want to go there. So this is this is not just for me, this is for our members as well.
1: Are there any lessons you took from this experience? Uh, and this doesn't just have to be for UPS members or UPS Teamster members, uh, but just anyone, you know, about the union, about UPS, about labor in general?
0: Um, what I would like to say is that I thought I knew a lot about being a Teamster and about our union um, going into this. Um, But during my 11 months out of work, I I chose to spend that time um, networking. And I walked several picket lines. I walked a picket line for a museum up in Pittsfield. I several times visited a uh, picket line down in Pawtucket, Rhode Island for our DHL Teamster members down there um they just finally won their 8 month fight with the company there I'm very happy for them um but i met a lot of fantastic teamsters um i um some friends of mine put together some money to send me to chicago for the tdu conference uh, back in october um i got a lot of skills from that and i learned a lot of stuff i learned a lot about the nrb so i guess what i would like to you know put out to members is you have to be your own advocate you know it, it, you You could have the strongest local or a do-nothing local, and they're not always going to see things through your lenses. And sometimes you have to fight for your rights. You know, you have to educate yourself. Uh, You know, there's a lot of Teamsters out there on different social media pages that would be more than willing to share knowledge with you and help you and direct you in the right way. And trust me, I got a lot of that. And because of that, I'm smarter as a Teamster. I'm smarter as an advocate. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of rights, um, NLRB rights, NLRA rights, um, legal avenues that we can fight this company. It's not just a contract or a panel system. There are other ways to fight this company that would hold them accountable. And I'm going to do my best to make sure that members are brought to light on this stuff and, you know, become their own advocates because Um, It's important. Um, I think that the more education our members have and the more they know what their rights are and avenues that they can take care of things, it builds our union. And right now, um, unions are very favorable across the country. The labor movement's on the rise. Um, We finally have a pit bull um, in Sean O'Brien and Fred Zuckerman um, that is unbelievable. It's, It's such a contrast from what we had under Hoffa Jr., um, he sold us out, especially in that last contract. And, you know, the militancy that we're seeing there is incredible. And it's a great thing for labor across the union and not just for Teamsters. I mean, in general, the the tone of this UPS contract is going to set the stage for many contract negotiations moving forward across the, the you know, even in the smaller uh, unions. So I encourage members to get involved. I encourage members to Reach out. I'm available on all the social platforms. I'm always willing to help members and point you in the right direction. Um, there's many advocates out there that are all over the place. And, uh, you know, don't let this company bully, bully you around. I mean, you have to do what you can do, but there's other things you can do um, to fight this company. And it's important that we do because they've gotten away with it for so long that it's just kind of practice now. And the only way we're going to be able to reverse that is to buy, you know, people putting their foot down and and holding this company accountable and get some good rulings in our favor.
1: Dan Arlen, who could probably have a second career as a labor lawyer. Thanks for joining me on the upsurge.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: you just listened to an exclusive bonus episode of The Upsurge. If you're listening but are not yet a supporter of our Patreon, please, if you like the show, if you want to keep it going, head over to patreon.com slash upsurgepod and become a patron today. The link is in the description. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at UpsurgePod, Facebook The Upsurge, and you can also find full episodes now since episode 4 on our YouTube channel, The Upsurge. Go spread our show far and wide, leave us ratings, likes, comments, all the good stuff. And thank you so much to our patrons who are keeping the show going. The podcast was edited by myself and Ruby Walsh. It was produced by NYGP and Ruby Walsh. Music is by Casey Gallagher, the cover art was done by Devlin Clara Resitar. I'm Teddy Ostro. Thanks for listening and catch you next time.